As parents, we all know how important play is as part of our children's lives. On a day-to-day basis, it's easy to see the benefits on your child's mood and temperament, and there have been countless studies about play's positive impact on our child's development, self-esteem, and social skills. However, our children change so quickly, and what interests them one day will be different to the next, and the needs of play changes as our children get older. IKEA believes play is a basic human need, not just for kids, but for all of us. When children play, they learn, develop, experience, and grow. And when we play as adults, we expand our creativity, strengthen our bonds, and de-stress. Today, we're talking to Dr. Brendan Hindman, a senior lecturer in personal development, health, and physical education, and course director of postgraduate education studies at Charles Sturt University about the changing face of play as our children grow. Hi, Brendan. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be able to connect on this terrific issue. Can you tell us a little bit about the changing demands of play as our children get older? Yeah, so I guess as they move into the primary school ages, they've already developed a range of these fundamental skills and they're they're moving through, they've built those connections and over time the changes take place in that they need new ideas, there's new complexity and they're starting to play with peers rather than at home with their parents. And as parents, what we need to consider is to not let our foot off the ball and think, okay, now that they've got some friends at school to play with, uh, we also still we consider ourselves as playing with these kids still and uh, things will change. Like their physical activity demands will, will increase. And so they're, they're going to want to trial new skills beyond things more basic, their they, screen time uh, might increase a little bit more because they're being exposed to things like that at school. Uh, there's going to be a requirement that we actually modify these environments a little bit more as parents because we don't want the kids to be uh, constantly using uh, this equipment hundreds and hundreds of times, as they, especially as they develop and go through school. So it's a, it's a really... Um, Evolving time and fast-paced change is, is occurring. I know parents are often really focused on how much their, their children are playing when they're very little. So when they're babies and when they're toddlers, parents have play really front of mind. Why do you think um, that focus might come off the boil a little bit as children get older? Well, uh, a lot's changing. Uh, so... Kids are never too old to play. It's just the the circumstances are changing. They're they're starting to want to test themselves more, and things are getting a little bit more complex. And complexity can change uh, to engage the kids a little bit more. From you know thinking about things from rather smaller structures or smaller movements to bigger sequence uh, of, of movements. So larger larger sequences of movements. Uh, it might be going from. Uh, building a few shapes or a few blocks to more complex structures. Um, so thinking about providing those opportunities uh, is important because otherwise kids won't be exposed to that constantly changing demand as, they, as their complexity in, in their minds start growing and they get more and more curious about their environments and want to experiment with more things. So you say there's, um, there's no age that's too old to play. No age that's too old to play. We just need to think about those circumstances. And so every stage 
of childhood or adulthood, we've we've got those fund foundational skills that we've had. So we've 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 developed and explored, and then we need to build upon those in order to take things a little bit further. And so we we need to be able to consider what's the next step, what how can we make things a little bit more complex for, for, for each particular stage and of course the key to play is making sure that there is an element of choice there is a chance to master a, a skill and they can relate with others so they're the keys to motivation so if you think about that uh, we always need to provide choice we always need our kids to direct their own play but the mastery is also really important for motivation and Often uh, kids might be really quick to master a specific skill that, that you're encouraging their play with. So you need to, we need to be able to provide opportunities to build upon that. You talk about motivation. I imagine this is a, a struggle for lots of parents. How do you maintain that motivation for your child to you know, still focus on play and engage in different types of play? So the, the, like I said, the, the three components of motivation, uh, intrinsic motivation for children. So there's a relatedness. So as parents, we need to think about, okay, if there's no kids around their age, we need to think about our, ourselves as uh, coming into play with them, thinking of ourselves as play buddies and, and being with them. There's also the, there's the amount of choice, or, or as some people might call it, autonomy and that, that can be a choice, a, ra- a range of aspects, uh, whether it be how you're going to be involved as a parent socially, uh, what, what sort of movements uh, can they demonstrate, uh, how, many, how much choice have they got to use their imagination and come up with ideas. So that's the choice. And of course, the big thing that we need to focus on, which is probably the most complicated, oh, in addition to the social aspect, is that mastery aspect. So how, how can we think about getting that level right for kids to master a certain play type? Is the, is the puzzle at, at their right needs? Is the song made up of the, the right words and length and uh, those sort of things? So mastery is probably the, one of the toughest things to really encourage and meet the child's needs in relation to motivation. But they're the three aspects we can consider as parents along, along that uh, trajectory from when they're born to well into the schooling is those three components. Looking at the different types of play um, that our children need as they grow older, when you're thinking about a newborn or um, say a one-year-old, what are some of the key components that their play should focus on? Yeah, so early on, it's it's really it's it's quite simplified. It's exposing the, the child to uh, different textured textured toys. Uh, they're manipulating objects. They're developing those fine motor skills, imitating facial expressions, and also providing opportunity to really have choice in and in their ideas around imitating those facial expressions and and noises that are from different toys, noises that you're coming up with might be different words, that sort of thing. Uh, that's that's uh, when they're they're really newborn and and um, very young they very quickly as as you know move out of that newborn stage into their 
toddler phase where they can often be quite spirited and maybe even stubborn and resistant to your um, your engagement of play. How can we um, really engage with our you know two to four year olds? Yeah, our two to four year olds. This is when they're starting to piece together things a little bit more. Uh, so they're they're going from those really fundamental. I'm going to imitate. I'm going to explore this object. To, okay, I actually want to put a few things together. I, I'm going to start thinking about songs and exploring uh, dress-ups and uh, imaginative play and, and copying, uh, imitating more play-type behaviour. It might be s- people that they see and have the movements that they're doing and they're, they're trying to replicate those sort of movements. I know my daughter, who's four four years old, she likes to try and copy all the movements that I do. So I know that around this age that they really uh, are starting to look at things like how can I hop and how can I spin and how can I jump? Uh, Because I I know that from my daughter, uh, she's, she's around that age in that she's really looking to start to put those movements and words together and uh, and get a little bit more creative in the, the songs that she, she starts to sing. And so at that age, you're, you're really building into um, even more experimental aspects with the world around them. And then when kids start school, I know a lot of parents may take their foot off the pedal a little bit because they know that, that schools have that dedicated time to play and so maybe play at home is less important. What's your um, view on that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So uh, what we're finding is parents, are, I guess, are becoming a little bit more reliant on the school setting. Uh, when the, the, the children do reach that school age, uh, there is actually a budget for resources in schools and there is those set times for recess and uh, it, there can be that sort of feeling that uh, you know that we can take the foot off the pedal a little bit because they're going off into a bigger world, and uh, so at that age they're starting to have more opportunities to engage in play with more. They've they've got many many students at school uh, and peers to play with, even teachers in in some aspects, and. With play, they're starting to engage with other, others those, at those ages. So what we need to think about as parents is that, hey, uh, we, we can still value that at home. We don't need to think about, hey, okay, schools where play is. We need to think about how can we value play around the home and still, still um, be there for our children and make sure that we're not relying on schools too much. We're, we're not seeing the home as more task-based. Okay, you've had your play at school. Here we are at home. I'm going to cook dinner. You're going to do your homework. Uh, I'm going to do the chores. And, and you've already had that play at school. And what we're finding, parents really think that there's more opportunities to engage their kids in play at home. There, there is, that, I guess, um, they're thinking that school... There doesn't need to be any more play uh, in that setting because that's where there's actually structure and time and there'll be some sort of facilities, even though they can vary uh, from school to school. But we need to think about uh, having also a bit of a structure at home in terms of time. So can we have a time for set aside for quality play just like the school does? And then that, that can create a bit of a habit and a routine uh, and, and turning off the devices, which 
We know that um, too much device use is becoming a concern uh, in, in our society and there's screen recommendations and those sort of things. So as, it's a really simple recommendation that we can have at home is, is to set aside one hour, turn off those devices, engage in uh, the types of, of getting the kids to come up with all the different types of play that they want to do, whether it be social play, whether it be physical active play, whether it be cognitive and imaginative play, uh, and, and really encourage the kids to come up with their own ideas because that, that is the hallmark of play and we can do that at home more often and, and that's what the parents are, are really saying. We can do more at the home and we also need to stop segregating the difference between play and work and schooling and that sort of thing. Thinking about you know, your five and six-year-olds and they've just started school, is there a type of play we should be focusing on at home, you know, taking into account that their whole universe has changed and they're probably so exhausted after, you know, a long day of learning and structure? Should we focus on a specific type of play with our five and six-year-olds? I, I think we, we need to be as holistic as possible and, and kids, were, if they are directing the play, they will direct according to where their needs are. You'll identify if, if they are physically exhausted and, and they might do something a little bit more cognitive based and start coming up with the game, imaginative games and ideas, using blocks and those sort of things or puzzles and so they could be drawing or that sort of thing. However, if they haven't had their physical activity fix during the school day or in the day with yourself as a parent, well then they, they, you might see they've got a lot of energy. And so I think being holistic and of course, I mean, ticking off all three aspects, the cognitive, the social interactions and the, the physical, they're really important to... Um, to address as well. So uh, I think it's always good to have that lens. Let's, let's hit all the, the different dimensions of uh, the physical, social and cognitive health for our kids' play and their well-being. Uh, but in some cases, they, you know, they, they may not want to be too social or they may not want to be too physical. So that'll, that'll vary from child to child according to how their day's been. Uh, but I guess as parents, we can be responsive to that and and really see where we can jump in and, and, and be a part of their play and make sure that they're aware that, okay, I'm only playing at school, uh, I'm only playing with my kids these days, uh, let, let's, let's show that we're open to playing with our children uh, a little bit more during the, those time slots at home, let's turn off those devices because then we're, we're showing that we're really valuing and dedicating our home space to, to play a little bit more and, and that, that creates that, that real atmosphere and expectation that play isn't just in one area or the other. You know, we're, we're really valuing it and our kids can follow that and really look forward to coming home uh, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to come home and I've got to do homework and my, my parents are going to be doing chores and then I'm going to go to bed and I might only have 10 minutes when my parents reading a book to me. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're, I think really have a holistic view to not only the types of play that the child's engaging with, but also a holistic view to the whole day. We know kids are 
probably going to want to play a little bit more as they're older after school and in the afternoons. But maybe, yeah, thinking about before school, uh, there, there can be play opportunities there as well. There can be um, uh, straight after school and then, yeah, well into the evening. So, yeah, having a holistic view of play and and being open, a lot more open-minded to the, the things that we do uh, from minute to minute uh, rather than this is how it should be. I think we, we can think about doing some of the processes at home with a, a lot more of a broader mind in relation to play. Brendan, you talk about um, the importance of children having around three hours of active play a day um, away from screens and away from devices. Looking at our preteens, um, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, is that three hours still important for them? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, at that age, uh, preteens... Uh, the, the requirements for physical activity and screen time do change, but the three hours it becomes really important because we've got the one hour around the, the school day. So most schools, they'll dedicate around that one hour mark and we really we would hope that the schools will have one hour for play opportunities in the school and that's not just eating lunch and that sort of thing. I think that we, we can have one hour uh, encompassed. It, it might be one hour set aside, turn those devices off after school, in the afternoons, in the evenings. But there, there can be also, like I said, some opportunity. It might be before school, you a bit bit of play time to just sort of get the kids, you know, get, getting them actively thinking and socialising and, 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 mo- and different movements and to get them ready for the school day. So... I think three hours is definitely feasible uh, for those at the school age and it's something that I feel like we, we don't need to let the ball down uh, and it's almost it almost becomes a little bit more important to ensure that the, the kids continue around that three-hour mark as they, as they go through school because there's structured classes uh, where there's a lot more requirements and, and uh, competing schedules within the school day, you know, they there's a curriculum to follow, of course, uh, you know, the maths and English and, and those sort of requirements. So I think continuing that three hours of play a day, we know how important it is. Uh, uh, all the research is pointing to all these benefits to, to kids engaging in play. Uh, we've got all the cognitive benefits. Uh, it might be self-esteem, it might be confidence or resilience. You've got the social benefits. And some of my research has really found that Providing these play opportunities, it can help kids develop negotiation skills with the, the different objects. They can learn from others in the school. They model their behaviours if they're they're not quite uh, sure how to do something. Uh, they can work on the outskirts of a play activity, and of course, we have those really um, important physical activity guidelines, which is already at the school level. There needs to be one hour of moderate to vigorous physical activity each day. So that's like your minimum sort of jogging level activity. But across the school week, there's also an expectation that there's hours of other types of lighter activities, strengthening uh, muscles and bone and that sort of thing as well. So I think uh, it's, it's definitely very reasonable uh, with all those guidelines, with all those benefits in mind, with all those, all those windows of time available for 
uh, our children to maximise their play with all those benefits. And I think that the three hours should absolutely be uh, a recommendation uh, right throughout childhood. I know a lot of our parents may not have loads of ideas around how to play with their kids. And thinking about those pre-teenage years, children are on the cusp of adulthood, so to speak. What types of games would you be playing with kids around that age? Well, you're you're getting a lot more uh, complex. Uh, You're thinking about putting simple movements into sequences. Thinking about, so if you think of movements, so kids can start to put a sequence of movements together, uh, whether, and this is where sort of dancing type movements become uh, are really valuable, and it's actually quite difficult, even as an adult, but uh, this is where they can get really creative with putting sentences together for, for different songs, they can start to put different, uh, they're really complicating the types of dramatic play they're doing, so they're they're getting a lot more creative with the the dresses that they're and buildings that they're creating. So rather than putting a few things together, uh, like a, a few movements, they start to elaborate. They're putting sequences together, and physical activity is a great example of that uh, with dance and that sort of thing at that age, because that will flow into more uh, complicated activities and games. So we all know the the types of uh, games and sports and, and those sort of things that, uh, that are in our society. So at that age, all those putting sequences together and solving problems and uh, how, to, how to engage in different movements within the spaces that we've got, then that's going to continue to the more complicated things at school uh, with when there's rules and decision-making and they've got to uh, try and negotiate spaces around other children in the school and... And, and working with other, other students at, in teams and that sort of thing. So it's quite clear that you know, play for our kids, whatever their age, is really important. So looking at kids as a whole, what advice would you give parents on how to incorporate more play into their everyday? There's a few things. Uh, first, first, I would say look at the cognitive. So I'll, I'll break... In, in relation to incorporating more play in all, all of our days, regardless of, the, of our age, would be, okay, cognitive. How many ideas can we come up with? How, how much choice have we got? Uh, I think that's going to really help motivation, all right? So th- thinking about how we're going to... The more ideas we come up with, the more we're extending our play. We're being creative, and that's creating more choices around what we do. So that's the cognitive. I think socially, so how can we, with the, the people around us, how can we work with them? Uh, uh, can they have a role within our play uh, to enhance that even further as well? Uh, interacting with our, the children that we, that we play with. Uh, uh, can parents have a role? So uh, really valuing our, our play and, and remembering that we are role models and... and and children are really good as well to provide a bit of insight as parents in how, to, how we can use our imaginations. And then the physical side of things. So uh, where are we at with our, our movements? Can, what, how do we put them, piece them together? So they're thinking about the, the physical side of things as well. What sort of space have we got uh, to engage with these movements and try and break up periods of sitting and standing and screen time 
And then I, what I like to, to think of as well is the policy side of things is really good for behaviour. Uh, so the expectation, if we set aside one hour each day at home, turning off the devices, really thinking about all those cognitive, social and physical aspects, and, and so you're, you're creating an expectation that th- this is at the norm, this is, our, this is what we value, then this is, I think that's really important to ensure that we're incorporating play into all our days. And then you can have a, a, just a, a little keeping in, in the sort of back of our minds that, hey, when we're doing these mundane tasks, we're working, we've got chores, we're, we've got these sort of things that we, we don't associate with play. Let's just keep it in the back of our minds how can we playify these these aspects? How, how can we create more options around this in terms of imagination and ideas and pro, in in relation to the process? How can we do that? I think they're they're the things that we can enhance the amount of play in all of our days, and we all believe how how important it is, and we know that plays so important for kids' health across those major areas and dimensions of health so I think we, we can all consider how we can playify our day-to-day lives. Well that's what I will take from our conversation today Brendan is um, playifying my life a little bit more especially around dinner time and um, pre-bedtime so thank you very much for your conversation today it's been really insightful thank you. Thanks Tricia it was a pleasure.